Welcome to the Hub Crawl, a roundtable podcast discussing all things Disney. I'm Eric. And I'm Tag. Each episode, we invite two guests to bring a question and talk about one of our favorite things, Disney. This week, we want to welcome Mike to the show. Mike wanted us to introduce him as whatever we wanted to say about him. So Mike's a cool guy who also happens to be the owner and head concierge of Concierge's. Look at that. I took it pretty easy on you, Mike. That is true. That is true. I'm not crying or anything, so I feel good. Okay. Also joining us this week is our social media manager for the Hub Crawl, who's been doing a great job considering that we had absolutely no social media presence prior. Uh, Bryn, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Compared to nothing, I'm okay. Hi, guys. All right. <laughs> I mean, we don't want to set the bar too high, Bryn. We're, this is the Hub Crawl. We what? Our bar needs to be a little low. But thank you all for joining us. Let's start off with our first question from Eric, if he can spit it out of his mouth. <laughs> I, would, I would love to tag. And I promise not to pause halfway through and lose my place in the sentence, which is, what is your favorite place to eat at any of the parks? Mike, start us off. Oh, boy. Okay. So my favorite place to eat at any of the parks would have to be, well, okay. So I wasn't sure if we could count like the the resorts as well, or if it has to be in the park. So where's oh, the technicality? Totally open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it's totally open, then I have to say uh, Ohana at the Polynesian. That is by far my, okay. my favorite restaurant, just an amazing meal, you know, and if you do it right uh, and you can get a seat looking out the glass towards the, you can see the magic kingdom in the background. And so the real trick is, to get that reservation time that overlaps the fireworks show because they pipe in all the, um, the the music to fireworks show and then you can see it in the background, enjoy your meal. Uh, and then, you know, when you're not watching fireworks, you get the ukulele player walking around, occasionally get coconut races with the kids, but you can't beat the meal. It's amazing. So all you can eat shrimp, steak and chicken, pot stickers, chicken wings, noodles, you know, wood fireplace, you know, how they cook that meat. It's amazing. And uh, my brother-in-law, shout out to my brother-in-law, Tom. He ate 56 shrimp one night when we were there. It was insane. Like, definitely got our money's worth. So, um, and then of course, what do you get for dessert, Eric? Uh, oh, what? He put me on the spot. Now I can't. It's the bread pudding. The bread pudding. Yeah, yes. Oh, it's, oh man. It's amazing. stuff. And the yeah, with the sauce. caramel sauce. There oh. you go. Yep. Good stuff. So, so good. That's my place. That's my place. So there you go. I'll pass it on a tag. Well, I need to eat at Ohana. Now, I will say, if we're talking about the Polynesian, one thing that really makes me sad is that they had that Spirit of Aloha show there that they don't have anymore. And mm. I wanted to see that. And I'm so sad that it never came back after COVID. And that area has been demolished to put up uh, what DVC properties or something ridiculous. It's another like hotel. But, yep. Yeah, of course. So in any of the parks, well, that's a lot of options. Uh, you've got, of course, like Mike was saying, you got like all the resorts as well, if you add on to all of that. But of course, all my answers are going to be Disneyland specific because, you know, Disneyland, of course, that's my brand. So I think I had to think about this because there's a lot of places I enjoy eating. Obviously, can't beat like the Blue Bayou for atmosphere. Of course, you could go get some pretty decent food at like Carthay, something like that. But I was trying to pick something that I went to often and that I always kind of feel good about and then find myself thinking about. And right now, in this moment, I find myself really craving and thinking about the Jolly Holiday because, gosh, man, that that grilled cheese sandwich with their tomato soup oh, yeah. is amazing. Ooh. And they have great little dessert things that you can get there seasonally as well. I it did I, it was tough because I used to say Rancho Zacalo was my favorite, and then for a while Bengal Barbecue was really great, and the Tropical Hideaway with the Bao Buns. But mm. I think right now my jam is the Jolly Holiday. How about you, Bryn? Oh well, my favorite is definitely the Blue Bayou, in great part because it's one of my mo- it was my mother's favorite. She's been wheelchair bound for decades, decades and decades. And so she hasn't been able to go on Pirates of the Caribbean because that's a ride where you have to transfer. She can't transfer. And so she loves eating there because it's a way to get a bit of the flavor of the ride, which she can't go on anymore. 
So she loves to eat there and she always hopes that we can get a waterside table, which is a little difficult because maneuvering a big wheelchair through the tight tables, but they, they make an effort. They really do try because they understand why somebody in a wheelchair is coming there. And the service is always really great. People are especially considerate of folks like me with all kinds of food limitations and someone like her who needs help with lots of things. So it's just become a real tradition for us. Even when I'm not there with her, I always go because it's her favorite. So Mm. it's part of my heart that way. What about you, Eric? I love that. That's so great. And Tag Jolly Holiday is one of my favorite places in Disneyland. I love going there. The Mickey Macaron that they have with the raspberries in it is so amazing. They do great breakfasts. I I love to go in there and waste, (laughs) waste my morning when everybody else is running around looking for looking how to get onto uh, whatever ride they're most excited about. I'm wasting my time eating food, a uh, (laughs) nice uh, egg and cheddar croissant, watching them all run around. It's great. Uh, That's never a waste. You forgot. (laughs) <laughs> that they also have the Matterhorn Macaroon, mm. which is like the best deal at Disney. It's like $2 yum, 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 or something. Yum, yum. That yum. is also fantastic. I should not forget that. Thank you. So I love eating at the parks. I talk about this a lot. I blog about this a bunch. But for me, the thing that I have to do every time is Brown Derby at Hollywood Studios. It's a must-do every time I'm at Walt Disney World. I, I don't know really even when it started, but Brandy and I have to go every time we're there and they have, the atmosphere is so cool. Like many people, I've never been to the original Brown Derby, but it feels so Hollywood in that space. You've got all the, the Veitch, I think that's how you say his name, uh, like caricatures of all of the, the, these actors and actresses that most people don't remember around and it's so well constructed they have amazing cocktails they have amazing meals even sitting outside in the lounge is fantastic i love the brown derby and i have to go there every single time i'm on on property so i have a follow-up question maybe you guys are more walt disney world than i am okay there is a restaurant that i want to say was kind of like a diner that's kind of like you walk down. Okay, you enter the park, you walk down kind of their main street, and then off to the left. Yeah, it's kind of over there. What is that? No, the primetime fifties diner. Yeah. Okay. Not because not the, we ate there and it was pretty decent. The the prime yeah not the sci fi dine not the sci fi dine which is which is pretty great and you got to try it sometime. Yeah, we that, did, but it was a bad experience. Oh, really? Yeah, but it was COVID times. It was August of COVID times, so (laughs) probably more related to that than the actual. Okay, but yeah, prime time is pretty popular. That's the one where it's like set like you're at your grandmother's house, like in the fifties, right? Like it's like you're at the kitchen table, yeah. Yeah. And they drop like they'll drop like all the plates and silverware in a big pile, and they're like, "It's your job to set the table tonight." You know, mom's upset (laughs) that you haven't been here to watch to to visit in a while. You know, and. (laughs) Yeah, for for Chicago people, it's like Ed DeBevix. They're a little bit rude. They're they're a little bit oh, like Dick's Last Resort, where they like write insulting things on your like paper hat. <laughs> the Disney version, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. I was gonna say they had a uh, uh, they were well known for a shake, like a peanut butter and jelly shake or something. Yeah. That was the big thing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's a fun place. Too. Thank you. I keep for thinking of that place, but I never, I can never remember what it was called. Yeah, nearby you've got the offices of uh, Valiant and Valiant, where uh, you can see the silhouette of Roger Rabbit still busting through the glass. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up our first question. Let's go to Mike. What do you got for us tonight? All right. Well, oh, I, I have to go back. I was going to jump in there before we got distracted on the fifties. My only time that I've gone to Brown Derby was with you, Mr. Eric. You took oh. me to my first Brown Derby dinner, you and your lovely wife. And so that's right. amazing. So uh, absolutely enjoyable. Well, that's when, yeah, that's when that was during that trip where we all met in person for the first time. Right? And, I, and I invited myself to every one of your dining. Uh, things. <laughs> and, that was awesome. And we missed you when you left. We're like, oh, this is so great. Wait, you've gotten to meet? Unfair. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, we've met I know, multiple right? times. Yeah. Unfair. Well, Bryn and I have, have been friends for five years and haven't met in real life yet. So, you know, it's kind of crazy. Bryn, I but. can't wait to meet you in April. By the way, shout out to Concierge, where uh, we're going to have our little retreat this coming April. I still need to make my reservations, but uh, we're having a company retreat in, in April at Disneyland. It's going to be great. I love a company where you have a retreat at Disneyland. Right. I mean, it sounds wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, all right. So you passed it to me for my question, right? Is that, mm-hmm. That's where I'm at, catching, right, right. catching myself back up here. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. So a little, let's see, a week from yesterday, uh, I had a monumental life thing where I, I got my first tattoo. So I'm 45. So I got my first tattoo at 45. And so as I was thinking about my question, I thought, if you had to get a Disney-related tattoo, what would you get and where would you get it? So my mind's on tattoos now, so that's where we're at. Keg, take us away. What do you think? This was a great question. I read this and I was like, "I'm awesome. Great. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, what a unique question. Totally. Now, the funny thing is, when I saw this question, I was like, oh, he knows. I have ne- the, the only tattoo I've ever considered in my entire existence if I was ever going to get one, which I don't have any, I would get a Disney tattoo. And I know that the main part of this Disney tattoo would be the Disneyland D and with some other kind of design with it. And what I mean by that is I think the closest thing that I've seen in real life that matches kind of what I'm thinking in my mind is I want to say it's the Ambassador's D because they've got the Disneyland D and then they've got like the castle turrets like coming out of it. That's the closest thing. And I haven't pulled the trigger. Now, for a long time, this is going to be really nerdy, I didn't get it because of Disney, because I thought if I ever want to work at Disneyland, previously, you could not have a tattoo. And so I wanted to make sure that if that I could work at Disneyland at some point in my future. But now they've changed that, so it doesn't really matter. Now, where would I get it? I see too many people. I'm very old school this way. I don't like people with the neck tattoos or any of the face tattoos. Like, I just don't think it looks that great. And I think, gee, what are you going to look like when you're like 85 and you've got that neck tattoo? It's a little strange. But you whatever. don't want the Mike Tyson? No. So for me, I would probably put it on my ankle. But I heard that uh, getting a tattoo on your ankle on the bone is really painful there. So maybe not. You know, typical something, you know, the shoulder or something kind of boring like that. James joked with me. He's like, oh, you're going to tell him that you want that tattoo on your butt? I said, I would never get a tattoo on my butt. (laughs) Mostly because, first of all, who's ever going to see it? And then second, imagine the recovery. Like, you couldn't sit down or go to the bathroom comfortably. (laughs) Very true. No, I'm not going to get a butt tattoo. I I mean, I know that's where Mike got his tattoo, but that's not where I got (laughs) my tattoo. Did you see that on the internet or what? Mike's tattoo says heat machine because he wants to remember his show choir days. There you go. go. Those are my show choir days, Mike. Don't steal them from me. Right, right. I was going to say, they're so good, Eric. He's stealing them. <laughs> I think he should. I think he should do your idea, Eric. Like the D, like with the eye, with his eye in the middle, just on his face. You know, like like the whole Mike Tyson thing. I think, yeah, it's like a Mad Tea Party thing, right there. Yeah, I, let's bring that back. <laughs> I thought when you started to say Disney's the reason you didn't get it. I thought you were going to say because you were worried that the like lawyers would sue you for some kind of copyright oh, no. thing. And then, you know, <laughs> then you'd end up in Disney jail because you no. violated their copyright or something. And No, unfortunately, uh, no. <laughs> but I'm excited to hear about Bryn because I feel like you seem so innocent, Bryn, that like thinking of you with a tattoo just seems very out oh. of character for what I yeah. envision of you. I would never do it. I, I, if I did, it would have to be very, very tiny and someplace incredibly unobtrusive that I could cover up all the time, like my upper, like on a shoulder or something where it would be under clothes most of the time. And something really tiny, like, you know, the second start of the right or, mm. or a tiny or a tiny Mickey ear, something like that. I'm just, I'm such a wuss about pain like that. So it would need to be very small. So it didn't last long. <laughs> What about you, Eric? You just get, you just get like a little hidden Mickey 
somewhere on yourself and you're like oh, there you uh, go. play the hidden mickey game nice um that's a little yeah. personal oh, I, I have a tendency if you ask Teresa to inadvertently make this type of joke so i apologize it'd be it'd be great for your husband Bryn. you know i mean yeah. sure he enjoy that so oh man um, spice up the 22 year marriage there you, there, you go. Go. there you go for the listeners who can't see the broadcast that we don't broadcast visually <laughs> I have many tattoos. I guess not many. I shouldn't say many. I have several tattoos. I have spent... Um, Your big face one is really remarkable. Uh, yes, yes. It's uh, it, This is not a real beard. If you've seen pictures, this is not a real beard. It's just a tattoo. It's a permanent tattoo. Because, uh, you know, I didn't want to go gray like, like Mike. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But yeah, I've spent I've spent more than like eight hours on a tattoo table getting tattoos done. So, wow. um, so it, it's it's not as painful as people might think. Depending sure, on where you get be. it, I would never get a tattoo on my ankle. Holy cow, over a bone, no. But I've been thinking about a Disney tattoo for a long time and multiple Disney tattoos. But the one that I'm currently sold on is left calf. That's where I'd put it. The old Buena Vista Productions logo. The one with the blue background. I'm not sure which way I want to go. Do I want to go? Because they, they had both the white version and then the rainbow version of the castle where it was these like increasing thicknesses of lines. It's the Cinderella castle on a blue background made out of those lines. And it's got the the arc over it. It's the predecessor to the current Disney. Now, I want to correct you. It's Sleepy Beauty Castle. <laughs> oh, it's Sleepy. Okay, yeah, it is. Fine. You're right. You're probably right. Um, yes. But yes, which is why I was sad when they now have the Disney one and it's kind of like the Magic Kingdom. Castle. Yeah, like, it's, oh, it, they stole it. Yeah, it's kind of in between. You're you're absolutely correct. And that's probably what what taints my vision of this is is not really having consistency. But yeah, I've I've long thought when I get a dis not not if when I get a Disney tattoo, that's the first one. And I just haven't done it in a few years. Um, I don't know why. Uh, my wife and I had a thing going for a while where we would alternate like, okay, who's next for a tattoo? But she's gotten like her entire, she, she got an entire back like a couple of years ago. So it is, it is definitely my turn for a tattoo. So um, that, that one's probably coming soon. So uh, let's look forward to a, a race day when I can race in shorts and um, run through Disneyland with my cool new Disney tattoo. Maybe that's a motivator. I am sad that you're not getting a hub crawl tattoo. <laughs> that you well, stole mine. That's what I was going to go. Don't, oh, don't well, Mike, tell us about yours. And uh, if it's the hub crawl, I will send you the source files to our, to our logo. <laughs> I will pay 50% for you to get the hub crawl tattooed on you somewhere, Mike. How much will you pay of the laser removal process? None. <laughs> None. Okay. Okay. It's advertisement. There you go. There you go. That's right. I should. I'm. I'm. It's like a billboard. Like I, I'll charge you for the space, or you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, absolutely. That's funny. Well, you know, I mean, no matter where you get your tattoo, you definitely have to go to the tattoo to the to the shop on Main Street USA. So everybody knows of that classic spot there where you can you can stop. It's right near the barber shop there on uh, the fire station. You can get you know your tattoos done there. Uh, Google it, you'll find it. Um, trust me, I'm a concierge. So <laughs> maybe maybe not the best brand um, advertisement there. You know, no. But um, wouldn't that be awesome, though, if Disney had a tattoo spot like on Main Street USA? Yeah, right like next to the barbershop. Yeah, right. Exactly. Admit, exactly. It's probably inevitable. Yeah, that might be. That's so Maybe funny. Disney Springs or downtown Disney, maybe not in the park, but I, I think it's probably inevitable. Good stuff. Well, so my first thought was that I wanted to get Edna Mode between my shoulder blades saying no capes you know that was that was my first you know thought um, but that's amazing yeah that, that's a, like but my thing with tattoos is that if i can't see it then like 
for me personally, I want to be able to see it and I want it to be able to inspire me on a regular basis. And so like the one I just recently got was like on my forearm, on my left forearm. And so everybody at concierge knows I'm a huge figment fan. And so, you know, when I was, when I was young, my first real trip that I remember the Disney world figment just inspired me, his the creativity wise, all that kind of stuff. And so, so I think I would do like my, my left shoulder, like upward, like a small figment. Um, I don't know Aww. really what I would have him say, but like where I could look to my shoulder. Cause if you remember like figment, like from the ride and everything, he was always popping up on, on someone's on his shoulder. Um, uh, Oh gosh, what well, Eric, help me out. What was his name? The professor there. Um The Dream Finder, yeah. The Dream Finder, yes. He was he always kind of be like popping up on his shoulder, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And 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 so maybe like right, right up here on my shoulder, uh, little figment. I love that, but Mike, yeah, go for the other forearm. Okay. Veggie, veggie fruit fruit. <laughs> That, that is um very few people will get that joke but um yes the ones who do my people so you know veggie veggie fruit fruit there we go on the other farm there you go. I can tell people it's inspiring you to eat healthy and it's disney exactly oh there you go. classic well we're only halfway through at this point folks so let's buckle in for the rest of it oh man uh two questions are down which means we've reached our halfway point as always this is where we ask for your support so please if you love listening to us and want to help support the show head on over to the hubcrawl.com slash support for as little as five dollars a month you can help us support the podcast you get access to early episodes uh we're finally getting back on track to getting them out every couple weeks sure uh, we did have a kind of strange hiatus there if Eric could get his body to cooperate. Hey, uh, the MRI is tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's your body. Just because you get an MRI doesn't mean anything's going to change. But True. I was also sick. Like, we just had lots of issues. But, you know, cold, hard cash makes everything feel better. So uh, if you want to support the Hub Crawl, <laughs> head on over to hubcrawl.com slash support and sign up. If you want to help support Eric's medical bills, maybe, or something like that, like you can right. directly. I got co-pays to pay people. <laughs> all right tag what what's your question for this week i mean i have lots of questions after this whole conversation but the one specifically for the show is it has been reported online and from looking at people at disneyland that magic band plus hasn't been quite as popular since the launch as as, as yeah, like even i would have expected it to be why do you think that is bryn well, I think it's the unfavorable attendance mix. Oh, mm. oh no. <laughs> All right, Chapek. Or it wasn't even Chapek. It was it was like their financial person, right, that was saying that. No, I I mean I think really it's that park has such a different population. It's lots of locals, lots of repeat viewer visitors. And I suspect that a lot of people aren't necessarily going to want to have to have this extra gadget they always need to have with them. They already have their phone and that was working pretty well for them. They don't want to have to have this other thing that goes on their wrist. Well, I've already got a smartwatch on my wrist. Why do I want another thing on my wrist? Why can't I use my phone? I already have that. So, I mean, I think ultimately it is really about the unfavorable attendance mix. I don't know. What do you think, Eric? Well, it, yeah, I kind of it's something that I've heard for a long time talking to to people who are frequent Disneylanders where I remember being part of the like the beta for Magic Bands. One of the trips that I took, I remember getting this this letter from them saying, "We're going to send you these things. We want you to try them out and give us feedback," which was amazing and I I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And this is back at a time when I wore a, a regular watch and carried an iPhone um, but and didn't have to use it at the parks. I didn't have to like have my phone out constantly to do mm -hmm. everything. I feel like in some ways it's too little too late or it's also too much too late because regular magic bands, I have a magic band that I bought in like it's one of the first edition like early magic bands when they were, they, they didn't have that kind of puck shape. Skinny. Great skinny. Yeah. Yeah. And it still works. I used it last time. It's a haunted mansion one that I bought at one of the Mickey's not so scary events. And 
the battery still works. And they've said, no, these batteries will eventually go out. No, the last time I went to the parks, that was the only magic band that I brought. And it worked everywhere. It got me into my room. It got me into the parks. I could have, I I could pay with it. It was so efficient. I, I don't like that magic band plus has to be charged. I think I've mentioned this here. I've mentioned it on other shows. I don't like that. It takes up so much energy to use it that you have to charge. I have enough stuff to charge when I get back to my, <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to carry, I bought a fuel rod. Finally, I finally got, got into the fuel rod system. Last time I was at Disneyland. Although I do usually carry a very large battery with that can recharge like everybody in my party's stuff while we're there that I throw into my fanny pack. So it's, it's weird that they're, they're bringing out the version that people are interested in because you can interact with things, but is having something that flashes with world of color and lets you do a bounty hunter search in galaxy's edge as cool as just something that lets you just get onto a ride or pay for things mm-hmm. and is totally passive I've gotten used to over the years wearing my even once I started wearing an Apple Watch, a Apple Watch on left arm, Magic Band on the right arm when I'm at Disney World. That's regular for me doing races, doing every single visit I've had there. That's just normal for me because it's such a passive device and it works so well. I I never understood why Disneylanders didn't like the idea of Magic Bands. And now that we have phones that can do the same thing that you already have and you already have to pay somebody to charge while you're in the park, you know, it, it, it's some people are excited about it because of the, the extra stuff you can do. But I think it's it's way, way too late to introduce mm-hmm. the system to Disneyland. Mike, you're a concierge. You talk to a lot of people about magic bands. What do you think? Yeah, so I think that. I'm going to go to the finance side, you know, so what's a base magic plus band. Is it 35? I'm trying to remember 35. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. So like, I think, and I was just talking to a family last night, you know, and this was a family that's spending $20,000 on a trip and, and they're like, I don't want to be like nickel and dimed for Another single thing. I'm spending $20,000 and then now I've got to look at Genie Plus and I've got to look at, you know, Magic Bands and all these other kind of things. And they're like, I'm doing the VIP tour. I'm doing, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I, I think people seem to be, you know, a little bit annoyed at all the nickel and diming for everything. And so if your phone can do most of it through the app, if you're, you know, Hey, I'm not going to spend the 35 bucks for my, for my family of four. Or if you, if you're got a couple families going together, you know, that ends up being a couple hundred dollars for magic bands. And so, and I think maybe over time as people get used to it, like it'll pick up again, but you know, I, I think the finance is a little bit there. I I asked this question. I do have to, full disclosure, I have not been to the park since Magic Band Plus launched, but I have three of them already. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, do you walk around your house using them? And you have no, one of those things I, I did. I, so here's the fun. So I did get them. I had somebody who was out in the parks from my other podcast, one of our community managers was going, and I said, can you buy me the DCA one that has like the partner statue on the front of it or the, the storyteller statue on the front of it? Can you buy me the one that came out that looks like fireworks and has the Disneyland D in the middle of it? Cause that thing looks amazing. And then can you buy me the plain blue one that has the Disneyland, the Sleeping Beauty Castle in the middle of it? Cause I like all three of those designs. And to me, w- when I buy stuff at Disneyland, like I, I like the pins because they're small, mm-hmm. I can carry them easily and you can buy a bunch of them. And they, you know, they're like, I have a whole shelf of crap behind me. Nobody can see this, but I have a whole shelf full of stuff. I have no more room. But if I have pins, I can put that on a board, whatever. It's easy to carry in a bag, et cetera. It doesn't have a lot of weight. And there's lots of options. And the way I look for pins is I just kind of glance. And if something catches my eye, then I want to get it. And these magic bands are kind of doing that for me. It was neat that you can change the colors on it. I don't know how it'll be when I'm in the park with the color stuff, but I love the idea that I don't have to take my phone out to you know tap in for a lightning lane if I have one or eventually that I could you know tap to pay with it maybe and I know mm-hmm. I can use my apple watch for that and maybe disney should invest in 
putting the Disneyland app integrating better with the phone. I know they did that with the Disney World app where you can kind of use it as a magic band. But I think that in Disneyland, one of the things that's probably not helping is I think people's opinions of Lightning Lane is is skewing it because they think that it's something that deals with Lightning Lane and people are kind of not happy with Lightning Lane in Disneyland because of all of the standby lines being long and the, there's all types of problems. We don't have to get into all that. But like you guys were saying, maybe it's like, I have to mobile order on my phone. I have to look at wait times on my, I'm on my phone anyway. Why would I, you know, what's another thing to scan? Who cares? But I'm not really sure. But personally, I've been wondering why Disneyland has not had Magic Band since the beginning because I actually think, Bryn, I'm in total opposite agreement from what you were saying is to me, being a local would be the perfect people to have magic bands because not only are they going to buy one, like if you go back to the original magic band, at least when they were cheaper to Mike's point is that you would buy one and you, you would just wear it to the park and you wouldn't have to take your phone out to scan in or to, you know, do fast pass and before times. And it would be like any other collectible. They'd make so much money because the locals would be like, well, I'm tired of this magic band. I want a new magic band or I oh, want yeah. that design. I thought mm-hmm. it'd be like a cash cow for Disney. And then they came out with Magic Band Plus now and they added the charging thing and everything, which I think kind of takes away from it. But also, you're right, Mike, they raised the prices on it. I think one of the ones I got was all the ones that I got, I think were like 45 because mm-hmm. they had the designs. The plain ones are 35. When the initial ones, I still have my, James and I both still have our initial ones from when we went to Disney World in 2016 that I think we got for like $15 each and they still work. Not at Disneyland, but they still work at Disney World. So I don't know. I hope that, I mean, I'm sure Disney's going to keep it around because they're going to make some money on it, but I feel like they need to add more to Disneyland too because one of the cool things at Disney World is you go on an attraction and like your name shows up like oh, yeah. Rock and Roller Coaster. You become, <laughs> you're in the poster. You're going through, um, it's a small world and it tells you goodbye like when you're leaving. Disneyland has none of that yet. And so I think they need to add that to make it successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have any of that yet. All they have is, like you said, Eric, they have the Bounty Hunter game. They have some glow with the, basically the new version of Glow with the Show, which never took off before. With the ears. Because when I want to watch, <laughs> when I want to watch a fireworks show or Fantasmic or World of Color, I'm not looking at my watch. I'm looking at the show. So why do I care if my, I think I'm going to find it annoying because I already get annoyed when like kids in front of me have those like light up shoes at night. And, everything, yeah. and the wands and everything and balloons, people that have balloons up at the end of their, strings when you're trying to watch the fireworks it's like come on come on all right old man old man bushman's gonna get off his stump now (laughs) well that was another great round of discussion let's move on to our last question from bryn is more interesting or creative development happening at disney's non-american theme parks and what does that mean for the future of the u.s parks so let's start off with eric Eric mm-hmm. has a paragraph I, typed in our script, Yeah, by the I noticed. <laughs> yeah, that was just because as I kept going, I'm like, oh, no. Also, I was preparing for a D-180. Um, so <laughs> I think the U.S. parks suffer from a lack of a, a lack of funding. It, we've always we've heard all these stories. I mean, watch the Imagineering story on Disney Plus. Please subscribe to Disney Plus. Our, the, the stock has fallen so much because you're not subscribing to Disney Plus and watch the Imagineering story. But some of these other parks in other countries, because they have foreign investors, they're not completely owned by Disney. They have different funding. So Japan always had more cash out there. That's why we got DCA in Amer- DCA 1.0 in America and Japan got Disney Sea, arguably the best Disney park in the world. We get cool stuff like Hong Kong. They're finally saying, hey, let's add some stuff that's more interesting. So we've got the World of Frozen. That looks great. Disneyland Paris's New York Hotel going Marvel themed. They did such a good job of that. And their Avengers campus looks so cool. Not that the one that we have in in DCA isn't interesting. I, I like it, but they they really leaned into it. They rethemed an entire hotel just to get more people interested. Of course, you know, classically the the problem with Disneyland Paris is they have too many hotels, but that has changed over time. Everybody is concerned because when 
when D23 came along, there there weren't any actual announcements of anything happening. We we waved. No, what are you talking about, Eric? There's huh? the potential beyond Big Thunder. Imagine, if, if you will. Right. Imagine, if you will, that we paid an Imagineer to paint a Thomas Kincaid-style painting with a dark castle <laughs> in, the, in the background. Like, what? I mean, it's exciting. I was excited when I saw that. I'm like, oh, wow. What is beyond Thunder Mountain? Like I've been back there. There's a there's there's a big um, tank of liquid nitrogen that they use to make fog. <laughs> like, spoiler <sure>. alert! <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that's some magic I, spoilers. Magic spoilers. Magic spoilers. That's something I learned when I was in the uh, the hit show choir heat machine. <laughs> um, but please don't like, YouTube that. Uh, no, you no. <laughs> No, there are no recordings of any of my performances. There are no pictures of my my performances. This is not pitch perfect. Um, Tragic. <laughs> but yeah, it, like they've got space to develop, and we all know that. We we all know that when they said let's put Tron in, they didn't have to worry about things with Disneyland like space. So they said, how about we just knock out a chunk of the the railway and reroute it, and then we'll build more Tomorrowland. Great, we get that. Th- they're so there's potential to do these things, but there's we heard potential three years ago at D23, and we all know that COVID screwed up a bunch of that, and and that's that's understandable. But there's so much pressure to step up now. What I'm concerned about is that literally today the stock price of Disney dropped almost to its lowest that it was at at the beginning of COVID. When what's it at now? Could, it's at it was at 87, I think. Last you actually, oh you looked up the stock price before recording. Time to buy. I, Eric was counting how much money he's lost um, prior to. I, I check Disney's stock price with frequency, especially when I have to talk about it on um, uh, real real time update because I own a share of Disney stock. Eighty six dollars and seventy five cents as of this recording. There we on go. November ninth. I, I I own more than one share of Disney stock. I have <laughs> I have several shares. That's um, a flex. And I'm probably going to buy more now that it's back down. Because the la- the last time I bought a, a, a large chunk, not, I, I can't say large. I'm not wealthy. I don't want to say bragging. large and make it seem like oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an investor. I buy whenever Disney drops because I believe in this company and I know it's going to come back up. And coming down this low, this is the, the last time I bought Disney stock was dur- at the start of COVID because it dropped down to $80. And, From 150, it was at 150. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, it like it it went way up, and you know, obviously, I'm invested in this company. I talk about it all the time, but the problem, the reason it's dropped so low this time, is because Disney Plus subscriber numbers didn't meet projections. The last time Chapek talked to all of us, he's like, "Hey, everything's going so great at the parks. Genie Plus means everybody who walks in the door spends an extra fifteen to twenty dollars." in any of our parks every day because we actually made, we, we made a smart decision and it's cheaper than universal. So everybody spends more every time they walk in the door because they know that they can throw off the, the queuing system and it, it, it's just cheap enough that everybody says, this is worth it. Look at that line. It's two hours long. How about I just pay for that genie plus thing and it'll be 20 minutes long. And Chapek has gotten some respect because of in in some communities. I know there's still a lot of ridicule out there about Bob Chapek, but as far as his financial sense, he's been doing well. Now suddenly, analysts are looking at at things and saying Disney posted the worst numbers in years. Now I'm worried. Now I'm worried that we're not gonna get we're not gonna get park stuff. Because we've already canceled park stuff, we we announced a whole bunch of cool things in Epcot, and the only stuff that's getting finished are the things that got started. So, Guardians, Moana's Journey of Water is going to get finished because they've been working on it. We got a new replacement for the electric umbrella. That is, it, I mean, it's a it's a giant place to get food. Um, we're not going to get. Ooh. Right. It's very light and there's a lot of glass and it's bright and people, some people don't like it. I don't know why, but now what's going to happen? Are we, where are we going to pivot? Are we going to start cutting money from Disney plus 
show budgets? Are we going to have cheaper Marvel shows? Are we going to have cheaper Star Wars shows? We've talked about it on this show, how much how much money they're pouring into these shows to make them movie quality and get people excited. And if we're not meeting expectations, are we now going to cheap out on Disney visual content? If we're going to cut back on that, what? how are the parks going to do? And that's a lot of questions that are not an answer to the the main question, but I, you know it, it, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit scary because we've already seen them cut back on so much, and then then to see the stock price tumble, I think somebody and hopefully somebody creative can come in. We need a Walt. We need an Eisner. Chapek has never been that. He's been financially motivated. We need somebody to step up, and I'm not saying dump Chapek and get some new CEO. He just needs in. a partner. He needs somebody to say, let's do something creative and interesting because this is what the fans want. And this will, the parks have made so much money for so long. Let's reconvince wall street that the parks are where it's at. Let's invest. Um, mm-hmm. we, we need somebody like that. Mike, do you have more or less to say than I did about this topic? How could anyone else have something to say? <laughs> I mean, I think you covered the entire Walt Disney Company there, Eric. Sorry, I was right. very. I, I, I read. I read too much about stocks today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, clearly. So no, I. You know, I think. I think this kind of goes in cycles too a little bit. I think we did get some stuff. You know, everything was geared around the fiftieth at Walt Disney World, right? So Guardians, Ratatouille. You know, we've got Tron coming. All this kind of stuff is is geared around the 50th. And I think they, I mean, they redid the castle there. There was a lot of money, I think, dumped into celebrating the 50th for a year and a half, uh, which is still going on uh, and, and definitely enjoyable. But yeah, it does feel a little bit like now that they've gotten past the 50th, at least at the Walt Disney World side, you know, they're like, there, we did it. Now enjoy it for the next couple of years while we recover financially or something. And so, but I think you hit the, the main point on the, on the head too, is that the, in Japan and Hong Kong, those are owned by Disney. Those are owned by other companies. Mm-hmm. So people always ask us at concierge, like, can you book this for us? And we really, we can't book it in the way that we do typical Disney because they're not owned by Disney and we work directly with Disney. And so um, all those places outside of Paris um, that's the only one that's really still owned by Disney, you know, so they've got their own sources of revenue coming in and, and uh, they're just paying for licensing to Disney. And so now, you know, I think I, I'm, I don't want to steal Teg's thunder here, you know, uh, talking about at least over there when they do stuff, it's kind of like a, a playground for them to see what to bring here. So uh, of course, Tron is wh- where's Tron at originally it's, is, is it Tokyo or is it um, Shanghai? Uh, Shanghai. Yep. So that was like the top ride at Shanghai. And so when they decided to bring it to Disney world, um, I was kind of a little bit surprised because nobody like most people, like my kids don't even know what Tron is. Right. You know, and they're like, why did you pick that movie? But that ride was just so popular. So, so tag, there you go. After I stole some of your thunder now, that's okay. That's okay. Let's build on it. I agree with what everybody said so far, which is there's always cool stuff happening out in Japan. You know, obviously Disney recently in the last, you know, 20 years has spent a ton of money overseas on things they built. You know, they built Hong Kong Disneyland. They built Tokyo Disney Sea. I know they didn't spend that money, but like that was something they did. Sure. They built Shanghai Disneyland. So there's been a lot of money spent outside of the United States because, you know, if you look at it, how they've been saying it, because they say that the parks are packed and it's, you know, we've, we've kept the reservation system because it's better because of that. You know, we already have so much demand for our parks that, you know, we just don't know what to do with it. And so I feel like they're kind of in a position where they're like, well, why do we need to build new stuff? We're already so popular. There's more people that want to come here than we have space for. Why do we have to invest? We already have a product that people love. What Disney doesn't understand and something I think they've got to be careful of, and I think I've talked about on this podcast before, is that they kind of rest on their laurels. And you know what caused, you know what really screwed them last time when they rest on their laurels? And Harry Potter went to Universal. And Universal... Mm became a real competitor for them. And they still haven't done anything about that, really. Okay, yeah, okay, they've built Star Wars land. They've built that type of stuff. But that's not really... That's not 
the same as Harry Potter. I would say Harry Potter was more successful for Universal than Star Wars Galaxy's Edge has been for Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. because people people aren't raving about Galaxy's Edge like people raved about Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter was amazing. I still rave about Harry Potter. One of the best rides I've ever been on in my life is it is it Universal and it's a Harry Potter attraction. So um, take, I'll yeah. say this from a planner side. People will go to Disney and they go there to see Star Wars. So they go like, I'm going to Disney World and I want to see Star Wars. But we book people to Universal solely because of Harry Potter. Like they won't even go to another section of the park. They're just, I'm going to do one day. I'm going to do both parks, just the Harry Potter stuff. I don't care about Transformers. I don't care about Simpsons or Jurassic World or whatever. They go strictly for that. So it had that much of an impact where you're describing mm-hmm. You're describing the Johnson family. That, right. That's, yeah. That's there you us. go. <laughs> yeah. Because right. it's amazing. And Disney Disney was like, oh, we'll build Pandora and we'll build Galaxy's Edge, which like, you know, that's our big tentpole franchises. And then they, you know, they didn't do quite as much as they should have mm-hmm. done. They didn't. They're starting to kind of add that stuff. I'll tell you what. Here's what I think happened. I think they were like, well, Galactic Star Cruiser all the cool stuff that we want to put in there that'll be a draw to charge all this money for Galactic Star Cruiser is stuff we want to put in Galaxy's Edge, but if we give it away for free, who's going to pay for it? So let's just put it over there. We'll milk that for a while, and eventually we'll trickle some of that out to the park Mm. uh, when we've made our money on it and whatever. I haven't heard too much about Galactic Star Cruiser recently. I'm sure you guys in the planning business maybe have heard a little bit more about it. But anyway, Japan, I think they should use... They do all the R&D for these things in Japan... The Oriental Land Company pays for it. They should just, maybe not the same ride, but at least take the technologies they're developing, bring them to the U.S., build some attractions around it. I think that'd be really great. I have a whole thing I could talk to you about, Eric, with stuff with Disney, but we're not. It's already a long enough episode. So we'll save it. I mean, this is not Disney stock tips with Tag and Eric. Investment. (laughs) Talk to your financial planner. We give no tips or anything like that. (laughs) However... We know Disney's a good brand. We know Disney stock is going to eventually go back up. They're not going to go bankrupt or go out of business. I would say it's a pretty good value to buy when it's low because it will eventually go back up. It's like the hub crawl social media. It's got nowhere to go but up, right? There yeah. we go. There we go. We're, we have low expectations. <laughs> and that's and that's not because of Bryn. That's because Eric and I suck and Bryn is helping us. Well, you were exactly. doing nothing. It's not that you suck. It's just you were doing nothing at all. Which we sucked at it because we were doing nothing. Well, you were, excellent at, you were excellent at nothing. You excelled at nothing. You were the masters of nothing. <laughs> Eric, we've got something going for us. Yes. Put that on the uh, on the tagline. That's your next tattoo, Eric, right there. I'm excellent at nothing. <laughs> You're like Winnie the Pooh. People say I can't do nothing, but I do nothing all day. <laughs> um, I think I think it's hard watching all of this development happening in overseas parks, but I think it's also a time to really think about visiting those parks. There is really some creative energy and a lot of really great storytelling happening in those parks in ways that maybe aren't happening in new ways here. We're kind of very tied to tradition in some of our parks, especially at Disneyland. You know, it's Walt's Park. And I love that. I love it very much. But sometimes the creativity and freedom you have in a place where Walt never walked where Roy didn't plan anything gives you freedom to do all kinds of things. And I think more people ought to be considering, Hey, maybe instead of going to Walt Disney world this year, I had to go to Disneyland Paris because depending on where you live, it might not be all that much more. It it certainly would be worth it. And depending on where you are in the country, you know, flights to Asia or might not be terrible, especially for all those people who like come from Australia to Disneyland, they ought to look at going to the parks in Asia. They're really fabulous and they're worth going to. So I think that one of the things we may see as time goes on is some of those people who always said, oh, we need to go to the U.S. parks are going to go traveling internationally a lot more. And ultimately, I think that's a good thing for the Disney brand worldwide because it builds that love of Disney and that Disney community worldwide. 
So it gets a little frustrating when the park that I love isn't getting anything new and exciting, but we can't always have new and exciting when we also want to preserve the place that Walt walked. And that's a hard line to balance. So having those places outside the U.S. where we can have that creative energy and we can go to those places too, I think it's a good thing. So, you know, give the Imagineers some freedom while also preserving tradition in some places. I really Maybe. like that, Bryn. Jimmy from the Supreme Resort, my my co-host on the Supreme Resort, actually sold some of his DVC points for next year and is using the money to fly his entire family to Tokyo to go to awesome. Tokyo Disney and Tokyo Disney Sea and then to explore the city of Tokyo. That's fabulous. He said it's it was equivalent to like the, the cost was equivalent even with flights to going to a U.S. park. So mm-hmm. I, I I really like that idea of uh, of exploring these other parks. If you if you're a Disney person who only goes to Disney parks, we've got a lot of them around the world now. So maybe it's and, time to explore. And right now, with the economy the way it is, the dollar is very strong. So your dollar goes a lot further. Which, I mean, in general, I want to say the overseas parks are really affordable, more affordable than the U.S. parks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now that you calculate in the fact that the dollar is, is, is stronger around the world, you can get some pretty great deals. I know one of the Twitter accounts I follow is Attraction360, and they just went to Tokyo because they finally opened their borders back up after COVID. And they said the ticket there for like a one-day ticket was like $58. Oh. Wow. And I'm like, wow, our cheapest ticket at Disneyland in the uh, no like, in the early days or like a, like the the off season is 104. Wow, like that's half the, the price, price of, of that's probably a price of Tegs Magic Band, you know, Magic <laughs> Plus. You know, I mean, it's right. Like, <laughs> well, it a is little, so, like like a Magic Band and a quarter, and you could go to a park for a whole day. Right. Well, it is kind of funny over there. Just some of those differentials. Like I, the thing that still blows me about Paris is every time I would book reservations, like for, for a client, I call up and you have to call a French number. And, uh, and so you'd talk to them and they'd be like, all right, we got them down for this time. And be like, what's my confirmation number? They're like, no, no, no confirmation number. We, we just, we have their name. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, you know, like in, in America, you're going to you get an 18 digit, you know, number and they need your credit card and the CVV number. Like, like I can book the hotel without a CVV number, but like for apparently the dining reservation is so important that they, you know, it's like, you know, and your child's, you know, you know, <laughs> it's just crazy. Like child's birth certificate to get a dining reservation. seems like sometimes. And so, yeah, overseas, it's a little more relaxed. So, you know, definitely. Well, the French are like, we don't care. We, we work. 35, 30 hours a week and get all types of vacation time off. That's your wish you were French. Reservation <laughs> number confirmation. We've had two of our colleagues from Concierge visit Disneyland Paris this year. And they yeah. both come back raving about how wonderful it was. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Well, that sounds that sounds great. And I think at this time it's it's time to wrap up this episode of the Hub Crawl. Already? It's been so quick. Oh my goodness. Time <laughs> how time has flown. Watch this episode on time and a half, you know, when you're <laughs> clearly we've had a great time tonight. It, please join us over on our uh, support feed where we, you'll get even more content. There's another question waiting, people. There's another one. And if you want more of this, you can just pay us five bucks a month and you can get access to that. But we'd like to thank Bryn. Thanks for having me again, guys. And head concierge Mike. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Good catching up with y'all. Everybody, thanks so much. Join us next time when we will continue to talk all things Disney. (laughs) 